0: not a lot of people know that General George S. Patton wrote poetry. When you've earned a nickname like Old Blood and Guts, it seems unlikely that you'd be remembered for your poetry. Between 1903 and 1945, Patton wrote at least 80 poems. It was at the Virginia Military Institute and the Military Academy at West Point that he found a love for verse and history. He believed that verse could be used as a memorizing tool. Patton was born on November 11, 1885, to a family with an extensive military background. The Pattons had fought on both sides of the Civil War, and every war before and since. At West Point, he studied fencing, and designed his own saber, known as the M1913 Cavalry Sabre, or, more simply, the Patton Sabre. Patton made a name for himself launching the first offensive using motorized military vehicles under the newly formed United States Tank Corps. In 1916, he commanded the first tank corps in pursuit of Pancho Villa after the attack on Columbus, New Mexico. He was later deployed to the European Theater during World War I, demolishing no man's land in the process. During World War II, He took the Tank Corps to the European Theater, where he led successful missions in North Africa, Italy, and at the Battle of the Bulge. What you may not know is that General George S. Patton believed himself to be a reincarnated soldier who had fought and died on numerous battlefields. Patton had fought against the Persians in Greece, served in the Roman army, and fought with the French forces under Napoleon Bonaparte. And he wrote about it in his poems. Patton most famously wrote in the poem, Through a Glass Darkly, Through the travail of the ages, Midst the pomp and toil of war, Have I fought and strove and perished. Countless times upon this star, I have sinned and I have suffered, Played the hero and the knave, Fought for belly, shame, or country, And for each have found a grave, So as though a glass, and darkly, the age of long strife I see, Where I fought in many guises, many names, but always me. In the 1971 film, Patton, George C. Scott, as General George S. Patton, gave a monologue in an empty field. Patton was said to have an ancient connection with what he believed was an ancient battlefield in North Africa and it was there he delivered part of his poem, Through a Glass Darkly, as a monologue to his troops. Patton is not the only famous figure to believe in reincarnation. Napoleon Bonaparte believed himself to be the reincarnation of Charlemagne. He spent time meditating in front of Charlemagne's tomb before his coronation as king, where he wore a replica of Charlemagne's crown and was knighted using his sword. He famously screamed at papal representatives, Take a good look at me. In me you see Charlemagne. Phil Collins, the drummer of Genesis, Believes that his interest of the Alamo comes from a past life in which he died defending the old fort. Stephen Segal is believed to be the reincarnation of a past Lama, after being tested using some of the Lama's old personal possessions. Most people recount past life experiences through dreaming. Often the dreamer will find themselves in the middle of a memory, often performing a routine action. The famed sleeping prophet Edgar Cayce recounted the past lives of his patients through a trance-like state while sleeping. In many of his readings, he recounted past lives in the lost city of Atlantis. Perhaps one of the strangest past life dreams comes from a letter H.P. Lovecraft wrote to a friend in the 1920s. In it, he details the dismemberment of what may have been an alien body. My name is Rob Christofferson, and this is a special bonus mini of the Our Strange Guys podcast. H.B. Lovecraft was born Howard Phillips Lovecraft on August 20, 1890, in Providence, Rhode Island. As a sick child, he developed a passion for reading, which included a love for the works of Edgar Allan Poe and astronomy. He often suffered from nervous breakdowns, which led him to live the life of a recluse for a number of years. He would lock himself away, sleeping during the day and writing at night. He began writing articles on astronomy for local papers in the early 1900s. In 1917, his focus shifted to fiction, where many of his cosmic horrors were born. Lovecraft often borrowed story elements from his own dreams. In the short story Dagon, Lovecraft used island features from a dream as the inspiration for the setting. Beyond the Wall of Sleep explores the idea of entering a murderer's dream world through advanced technology. Even Lovecraft's most famous work, The Call of Cthulhu, follows the protagonist as he examines the dreams of people from all over the world, trying to gain insight into the Great Old One. Sometime in the 1920s, Lovecraft had a dream he would refer to as the Eben Spencer Plot, He planned to use it for a story one day, but it ultimately never panned out. Lovecraft dreamt that he was a man known as Eben Spencer, an army lieutenant and surgeon, home on furlough in 1864. The young Spencer had been injured during the war, and he retreated to upstate New York to heal from his wounds. On a walk, he bumped into an old acquaintance, a man known as Dr. Chester and he urged Spencer to follow him to his home. It was there that he revealed to the young surgeon that he had been conducting experiments in the attic of his home for the past two years. He led Spencer to the door. Beyond, a foul odor met them at the threshold. Spencer was taken inside the mad doctor's laboratory, where Dr. Chester soon emerged with a human-looking arm severed just below the elbow. It was a strange bluish-white color, and covered in a gelatinous substance. Well, Spencer, Dr. Chester said, I suppose you've had a good deal of amputation practice in the Army. What do you think, professionally, of this job? Spencer knew that the arm wasn't human, and shortly after, the man-doctor brought out another arm, this time a great deal longer. The dream ended as Dr. Chester yelled at Eben Spencer to watch the curtain. And on the surface, that's what all this appears to be. Just a dream. But in 1997, a UFO researcher would test the dream's authenticity. Joseph Trainer was the editor of the now-defunct UFO Roundup magazine in 1997. He believed that Lovecraft's dream was actually a past-life memory. During the 1860s, there had been a rash of UFO sightings in the upstate New York area, and Trainer believed that there was a connection. He consulted with New York historian Carol Maltby and was able to find a young army surgeon named Lieutenant Elbridge Jerry Spencer. Spencer lived in the small town of Brockett's Bridge in the 1860s. He went by the nickname Gary. But perhaps the strangest fact about him is that he was briefly furloughed in 1862 for a minor injury had sustained during the Civil War. Not far from Rockets Bridge lived an herbalist named Dr. David Chester Smallwood. Smallwood fit the description of Dr. Chester in two ways. He had a younger brother, which matched the statement made by Spencer in Lovecraft's letter, and he owned a three-story house with an attic an attic that may have been the site of an alien mutilation. Elbridge Spencer left Brockett's Bridge in the late 1860s. His sister's obituary noted that he disappeared from the area. It's unclear where he ended up, but census records show a man named E. Gary Spencer worked as a farmer in Iowa, and later became a traveling salesman. Trainer speculates that Dr. Smallwood had been gathering herbs in the woods during the UFO flap and came upon a crashed UFO and its injured occupants. Dr. Smallwood may have shown the remains to Spencer, who fled town shortly after. Trainer further speculates that H.P. Lovecraft's father may have met the man known as Elbridge Jerry Spencer, who told him a strange story about an alien body he found in upstate New York. And maybe he just so happened to tell that story to a young H.P. Lovecraft. This mini of the Our strange Skies was written and researched by me. Our theme song is by Big Cats, with additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening.